Mm. Okay. I- I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. Emotional entanglements. <laughs> Looking at my beard right now in the video, I don't like it. Anyway, I am uh, I'm Carl. I'm an addict alcoholic in my sobriety days, August twenty second, twenty fourteen. I'm Chelsea. I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is February nineteenth, two thousand fifteen. This is Sober Pod. Sober Pod is the podcast about recovery that doesn't sound like a podcast about recovery. We are not experts or professionals, just a varying number of deeply flawed individuals with good intentions. If you would like to hear about the 12 steps, oh, the 12 steps, check out season two of 2019 for the years long coverage of 50 plus shows. And it goes without saying, we do not speak for any recovery groups or organizations. And as always, we encourage you to listen in moderation. 50, 50 plus shows, 50, (laughs) 50. You know, it's it's hard like hearing yourself speak when you've got headphones in. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing. Fitty. It's like it's like talking underwater. <laughs> or I was gonna say something rude, but I won't. You know, <laughs> so um, so what are we doing? We're talking about we're talking about entanglements. emotional entanglements. Emotion. <laughs> okay, you we said this originally, and then you brought up. Uh, who was it? Uh, Jada and what was it? What's the name again? What's Jada Will Pinkett Smith? Smith yeah, and Will Smith. Smith. And then um, so I don't know when it was, like a few years ago, more than a few years ago now, uh, where uh, they were. I remember watching some interview with them sitting at a table, and obviously, I don't know if she was like cheating on Will Smith with some. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't it know. Was pool an guy. Entanglement. <laughs> it, it was, and they were he referred to it as an entanglement. Right. Like that's, that's, so he, and he was even playing along, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, Jade, I don't care what you call it. You know, he didn't say that. He just literally was like, well, this entanglement, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what are you, I'm like, if I was talking to like somebody sitting across me who had been cheating on me, I'd be like, you fucking cheating bitch. What are you talking about? You know, I wouldn't be like, it's an entanglement. That was <laughs> just, the first time I had ever heard, heard that word. So mm. I was like, is that even a real word? Yeah, uh, emotional entanglement. I mean, entanglement's a word, but I don't know about you know. You just <laughs> throw the word emotional in front of it. So, <laughs> so, um, so I guess you guys can tell kind of where we're headed, huh? It's uh, we're we're headed into emotional entanglement, which I'm not even sure, like about like whether this like if I'm going to be able to even participate on this level. I mean, I'm, sh- I maybe 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 I just know I just know I this round. In my recovery, I totally stayed away from any emotional entanglements as I tried. But there's some, I read this previously, and there are some things to, to talk about when it comes to that stuff too. Staying away from it as well, right? You're so, so good. You actually read it ahead of time. Yeah, I, I try to, I love, blind. Well, part of me is like, I have to like sit there and think to myself like, am I actually going to be able to do this? <laughs> should, <laughs> should, you know what I mean? Like, I, honestly, I, I the reason I read it is because also I want to sit with some thoughts about it because like you know um you remember i got some time on you right i got about like 20 years on you right so i got i got a lot more to sift through and dig through so it takes a little while for my engine to get rolling <laughs> pull out the old filing cabinet <laughs> Creak, dust it off you know that kind of shit exactly so um so i guess we'll, we'll end up doing that um again it's about it's about six and a half minutes so it's not a lot um 
you know, so it's it's a, just a little bit to sit through. So I think that we can totally uh, get through this without any um, without any severe damage. Um, Chelsea, are are you are you totally ready to do this? I don't know. I don't know if I want to be in an, an entanglement. Chelsea, we could be in an emotional entanglement right now and not even know it. We better <laughs> we better listen to this. Otherwise, we may go on. All right. Anyway, so here is here is uh, the steering clear of emotional entanglements. And there's more in here than just emotional entanglements, too. I just want to warn you because, like I said, it's, I read it and it's 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 got a lot going on there's a lot behind the scenes all right are you ready chelsea i'm ready all right prepare 24 steering clear of emotional entanglements falling in love with your doctor or nurse or a fellow patient is an old romantic story recovering alcoholics are susceptible to the same fever in fact Alcoholism does not seem to bring immunity from any known human condition. Sorrow is born in the hasty heart, an old saw goes. Other troubles, including an alcoholic bout, can be too. During our days of bottles, cans, and glasses, many of us spent a lot of time concerned about intimate, personal ties. Whether we wanted temporary partnerships or a long-term, meaningful relationship, we were often preoccupied with our deep involvement or non-involvement with other people. A great many of us blamed our drinking on lack of affection, saw ourselves as constantly in search of love, drinking as we prowled from bar to party. Others of us apparently had all the emotional ties we needed or wanted, but drank anyhow. Either way, alcohol certainly did not ripen our comprehension of mature love nor our ability to enter into and handle it if it did come our way. Rather, our drinking lives left our emotional selves pinched, scraped, bent, and bruised, if not pretty firmly warped. So, as our experience shows, the first non-drinking days are likely to be periods of great emotional vulnerability. Is this an extended pharmacological effect of the drinking? Is it a natural state for anyone recuperating from a long and severe illness? Or does it indicate a deep flaw in the personality? The answer doesn't matter at first. Whatever the cause, the condition is one we have to watch out for because it can tempt us to drink faster than the eye, head, or heart can realize. We have seen such relapses happen in several ways. In the early relief and delight of getting well, we can whip up enormous crushes on new people we meet, both in AA and outside it, especially when they show genuine interest in us or seem to gaze up at us in admiration. The giddy rapture this can bring makes us highly susceptible to a drink. An emotional opposite can also be the case. We may seem so numb, both physically and emotionally, that we are almost immune to affection for a while after stopping drinking. Physically, clinicians tell us it is common for people to have little interest or ability regarding sex for many months after stopping drinking, a problem that is often alleviated as overall health returns. Until we are assured that the numbness will pass, however, going back to drinking can appear an attractive remedy, which leads to even worse trouble. 
Our shaky emotional condition also affects our feelings toward old friends and family. For many of us, these relationships seem to heal promptly as we pursue recovery. For others, there arrives a period of touchiness at home now that we're sober. We have to sort out how we actually feel about spouse, children, siblings, parents, or neighbors, then re-examine our behavior. Fellow workers, clients, employees, or employers also require such attention. Often, our drinking has had a severe emotional impact on those closest to us, and they too may need help in recovering. They may turn to Al-Anon family groups and Alateen. See your telephone directory or search for websites of local groups. Although these fellowships are not officially connected with AA, they are very similar, and they help non-alcoholic relatives and friends to live more comfortably with knowledge about us and our condition. Over the years, we have become strongly convinced that almost no important decisions should be arrived at early in our sobriety, unless they cannot possibly be delayed. This caution particularly applies to decisions about people, decisions with high emotional potential. The first uncertain weeks of sobriety are no time to rush into major life changes. Another caution. Tying our sobriety to someone we are emotionally involved with proves flatly disastrous. I'll stay sober if so-and-so does this or that puts an unhealthy condition on our recovery. We have to stay sober for ourselves, no matter what other people do or fail to do. We should remember, too, that intense dislike also is an emotional entanglement, often a reversal of past love. We need to cool any overboard feeling, lest it flip us back into the drink. It is easy to consider yourself an exception to this generalization. Newly sober, you may earnestly believe that you have at long last found real love or that your present attitude of dislike persisting even into sobriety means there always was something fundamentally wrong about the relationship. In either instance, you may be right, but just now it's wise to wait and see whether your attitude will change. Again and again, we have seen such feelings change dramatically in only a few months of sobriety. So using first things first, we have found it helpful to concentrate first on sobriety alone, steering clear of any risky emotional entanglements. Immature or premature liaisons are crippling to recovery. Only after we have had time to mature somewhat beyond merely not drinking are we equipped to relate maturely to other people. When our sobriety has a foundation firm enough to withstand stress, then we are ready to work through and straighten out other aspects of our lives. Chelsea, what do you think of that last part? Because honestly, well, the first like... part was real interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, because it talks about like immature, premature liaisons are crippling to recovery. Only after we've had time to mature somewhat beyond merely not drinking are we equipped to retali uh, relate maturely to other people. Uh, this is when our sobriety has a foundation firm enough to withstand stress. Then we are ready to work through 
and straighten out other aspects of our lives. And to me, it was like, I mean, when I, when I, when I originally read this, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> like that, that's where the meat comes from the end of this is like, because all the other stuff is like about, you know, the issues and all about the other, you know, you know, bullshit and fuckery, uh, and, and the result of what? <laughs> it's like a, emotional, damn it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and, and that's really what, um, you know, I, it's what I walked into recovery with, right. You know, when it came to my relationship, especially this time. Um, but you know, in the early stuff, you know, it says, uh, during our day, there's a bottle of kid. I love how it talked about like prowling bars. We prowl from, from bar to party, right. Looking for mm-hmm. affection and whatnot. Dude, I, I, when I read this earlier and I sat there and I was thinking, I'm like, okay, I don't even know how to approach this. Like, cause it's almost like, it's almost like putting together like a sex inventory, right? Because that's what we got to mm-hmm. do in our four step was we put together a sex inventory, and I was sitting there in um and and, and it's terrible because you know, I, I mean let me just say this much, honey, if you're listening, just just don't, <laughs> honey, <laughs> honey, if you are listening now, please just turn this off and and just forget what you're. Don't listen further. If you do listen further, this is on you. Okay, I was a fucking slut. I was huge fucking slut and that's all that i did is i just like i would especially my drinking because that was one of the things that um in my sobriety like when i was sober from 20 to 25 thank god i was sober because i would have been you know if it moved i was putting my dick in it that's all that there was to it (laughs) and 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 i so and when i was sober it was hard no, I'm not. Hey, well, it was, it was sober, hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it was, it was mostly soft. But the problem was is that I did not have the 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 um, self esteem to go chasing girls like like you know what I mean. I really didn't. And p- people you would think that otherwise, but it's there's just not true. But when I when I started drinking again, whole that was the reason I started drinking again. Basically, was to go get laid. Right, I was 25 years old, and I was like, I you know I was I you know I, I would always. It would, I would always play the super long game when I was sober. Like I would like date this person for a while and da da da. But I was still I wasn't emotionally ready to even date to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But then, uh, but when I was drinking, holy shit! Like I mean, I was like literally like, I mean, I <laughs> if I go look at my sex inventory, it's like I you could tell like when I was drinking versus when I wasn't, right? And it is like, mm-hmm. hey, I was with this person for this many years, and then when I was drinking, it was like just like, uh, again, purple-haired Amy or uh, a girl <laughs> with two kids, uh, you know, uh, whatever. You know, that's how I named them because I didn't have any other, like, I, I didn't know their fucking names, you know. There was that kind of an aspect to it. So, um, and, and, you know, so it talks about, like, you know, that, and I used that stuff, but I really did. I used that just as much as I used alcohol and drugs as I used that in this very similar fashion. But, but in one thing though, is like, um, you probably see it a lot. Do you ever, do you see a lot of, um, when I was 15, um, you know, I got it. Uh, of course I, I was trying to hook up with people in treatment, right. You know, like doing that <laughs> emotional, like treatment romances and shit like that. Do you see a lot of that treatment romance and stuff? I did when I was working at a rehab. I called them rehab romances. Yeah, yeah. And they never ended well. Like someone relapsed, if not both of them. Usually yeah. it was both of them. So Or they it, didn't complete the program or mm-hmm. 
their significant other found out, you know, that they were having mm-hmm. a, like a, a treatment or rehab romance or whatever, right? And it's just, and it's just, you know, it's, again, it's, it's temporary partnerships, right? Versus meaningful relationships. And it's like, but you see it all the time. You know, even like, yeah, have you ever watched those, uh, the reality shows? You ever watch like, uh, um, uh, the survivor or big brother or whatever mm-hmm. and people get involved in the house or whatever and mm-hmm. they get all snuggly and shit and it's like and i only know this stuff because my wife watches i just want to point that out <laughs> i'm not that deep. but but that's kind of a very similar thing right it's like um it's like uh what do they call it um uh relationships of convenience right you know it's like it's it's there and i therefore i use it because it's there and it's like mm-hmm. well, you, i mean so i don't know um what about when you got sober this last time? Um, did you have Did you have any of this? Like, did you fall in love with your doctor? <laughs> Hell no! That is so so strange, and yeah. I don't like thinking of that at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd I'd be lying if I I said that I wasn't thinking of things along that line. Um, yeah. you know, just old old people in my life that mattered to me at one point in time, but were no longer in my life. Um, you know, I just felt like that was a very impulsive time in my life when I first got Mm -hmm. sober because I didn't know what I, what to do with myself. And that's dangerous. I highly recommend not doing what I did, which is trying to do it all on my own. Um, Mm -hmm. because it would have been nice to have some guidance and some structure like, okay, like you're not totally sane right now. You need to maybe wait six months until you like make any drastic changes or decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, it's exactly what you said. It's, it's of convenience. And I think maybe it's another form of like an addiction, like you're chasing something else besides alcohol or a drug it's now um you know a crush if you will or or a fling um it's it's yeah it's a distraction it's a complete Mm -hmm. you know for me it was like it was so much easier it's just like we talk about this aca all the time which is like it's so much easier to focus on somebody else than to focus on myself Uh, i don't have to address my problems because i'm too busy creating problems with somebody else um Mm -hmm. you know and again I'm not emotionally in any condition to be doing anything like that, really. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, so, uh, and then, you know, which kind of brings me to this thing, and it brings me to, like, it says, you know, um, which, you know, I, I didn't really understand when I first got sober this time around, um, like, in, in the initial days, like, they would always say, oh, don't get into a, a relationship for a year. You hear that in the rooms all the time. You hear that mm-hmm. as a suggestion, in AA, like, do not get into a relationship with you. And then I think about, like, well, but, you know, I got I got a wife at home. You know, they, every time they say that, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I, you know, I came into this in a relationship. Like, I came into this, mm-hmm. you know, because of the relationship at some point. Every time I'm in here, I'm bitching about the wife. So you tell me, like, you know, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, because, and yeah. I just think that it's just, like, you know, really strange that that's, like, you know, um, you know, advice to a newcomer who doesn't have a relationship but to somebody like me i came in with a wife and kids and family and all these other things so you know what's the what's the advice for that don't get you know don't don't go home <laughs> you don't you know don't go to bed you know so you know it was really weird so i i just and i just thought that that was a little bit ridiculous also it's like i have a uh 
uh, had an idea about love and that his love is a very powerful thing. And, you know, and how am I to know, like, you know, what you like, who am I to dictate the, you know, over love, quote unquote. Right. It just seemed kind of like, how, you know, we can't control the human condition to that degree, but you know, you can certainly be more careful, but you know, that's the thing I just kind of felt like some of these things were necessarily like above our pay grade as a, as recovering to say like, Hey, you should or shouldn't be doing this because X or Y or Z. But the fact is sometimes you can't control X, Y, or Z. It's just because it's love for crying out loud. Like I didn't, man, I didn't pick my wife. You know what I mean? Like I, she's here. Like, you know what I mean? Like I felt like I had no, control over being with my wife it just was gonna happen <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the universe just existed the way it did you know um so that just seems a little strange for me what do you think about that like uh, like well i think i think you really hit it it's more more of some sound advice for someone who's single not married um i mean maybe if you've been in a long-term relationship if it's not working out, then maybe like take a break or something. I could see mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily, it's not black and white. There's always a gray area. And I think yeah. in AA, a lot of people think black and white and, um, that's not helpful to people who live in the gray area, which is a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. I was with my boyfriend, who's now my husband at the time. And, you know, there was tension there, but um, what was I going to do? We were living together. Like we had dogs together. Like, okay, that advice does not apply to me <laughs> in my situation, mm-hmm. this person mm-hmm. I've been with for years. So, um, I think, I think generally it, the best advice would be like, don't make any, um, important decisions in early recovery, which is kind of what they went over. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just the easiest one for people to pinpoint is don't jump into a relationship. Um, but I think that goes for like, don't sell your house. Don't get a new car. That's going to cost more than you can afford. Like just don't things like that. Don't make, don't... <laughs> exactly. Don't yeah. make yeah. Yeah, yeah. major life decisions in the immediate time frame of when you yeah. get sober. That's just, and I think you should throw in there, like don't voluntarily make these decisions. Don't, you know, if they, yes. it's, like I say, if they can't yes. be avoided, then then go, mm-hmm. yeah, fine. Like, you know, you got to deal with life. It comes, you know? Um, but, but I think, you know, voluntarily jumping at like, you know, popping up and be like, you know what? I'm going to fucking get a divorce. Fuck this shit. You know, I think that that would be like a, <laughs> a ill-advised right because you never like it, you don't know why at that point why you're even making that decision and that's why i like that they kind of touched on it and they said talking about um you know we we actually uh, uh we have to we have to think about how we feel about newly how we you have to re-examine our relationships with our mm-hmm. current family members with our wives with our children with our parents if we're still with our parents you know um you know, <laughs> even said our neighbors and for that matter you know it's like there's a lot to consider when it comes to people and and i think that the reason that they say this stuff is because they know that it was true for me which is i don't even know who the fuck i am in relationship to these people most of the time mm-hmm. you know you take away you know, the alcohol and the, um, and the drugs. And what I, what I found out is I was a, a fucking codependent, you know, sensitive bitch, man. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, <laughs> so 
and that's kind of what it comes down to. I don't even know who, you know what I mean? And then I'm trying to cover that shit up in some other way and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we talk about like emotional upheaval. That's what I, that's what my relationship started, ended up being. They were really contentious. I was really, um, pins and needles around my family a lot in those early years. And, you know, it, and it, but I did not know who I was and it was really important to know that, but I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to fucking go through it. 12 steps and even just examine who I was and what I was about. And, you know, so I have no context to even deal with somebody else. You know, it talks about, I'm going to get real personal already. Oh my I'm God, ready. I'm going to get real personal. Why did I do this? <laughs> why did I do this? Oh my God, why did I do this? Anyway, so I just, my brain said, say it, Carl, say it. I'm like, no, fuck you brain. And I'm like, but <laughs> I was, um, I, I had done the up to the fourth step and fifth step and stuff and um and it was probably about a year uh being sober and uh and I did sex inventory and I did my relationships like how am I how do I want to treat these other people in my life? How do I want to treat my wife, right? And um and at one point, you know, again, I when I was drinking, I mean it was it was sex all the time. It was like I was pushing for it all the time. It was something that I just pushed to do because that was my mindset. And then um and and then when I got sober and I went through that, I thought it was like, I was like, oh, that's really sad that I treated her that way, you know, that I was like, I treated her more of an object kind of a sense. And, and I just, you know, and it was just horrible. And I, so, so then I felt almost guilty about like, mm. oh, I don't want to push that on her. So when, when she wants to, she will, right? Like in these kinds of things, then it turned into like, you know, like a month goes by, two months go by and she's like, like you don't love me anymore. And I'm like, no, Uh, that's not it. Like, you know, I'm trying to respect you. (laughs) You It's like, so I even went the other direction. Right. And then, Mm -hmm. and then she's like, well, where's, where's Carl, you know, when's he going to come and hit on me? (laughs) She was not ever used to making the first move, I guess. Uh So, but again, and then so relationships from a, a sexual relationship with my wife anyway, was very different as well because it wasn't, initiated like that anymore because it wasn't yeah. just me getting drunk on a Saturday night saying it's Saturday. <laughs> you know? hey, so, um, so very different. <laughs> what do you, what did you, yeah. Hey, wake up. I'm fucking, it's two in the morning. And <laughs> fucking, I'm out of, I'm out of rum, but I need to finish myself off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what do you it's think about so that? True. Did you have any issues? Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, I know, it's terrible. So what do you, what did you think about, that kind of aspect. I don't want to get all personal. You don't have to get as personal as I got, but like in general, like did you have the issues as it came to that stuff after you got sober as well? Because I know I did. I know it was a big thing for my relationship with my wife. Yeah. I mean, I went back to therapy because I was struggling with, um, basically all the relationships in my life. And, um, I, I Hmm. knew, based on what I had seen in the rehab I worked at, that the only way I was going to grow, move forward, get past things was to talk about it. And so I went to therapy and we did a lot of work. You know, I think it was last week I mentioned I I went to therapy at least once a week um, mm-hmm. in the first first year or so. Um, but yeah, I uh, my big complaint was with my boyfriend, you know, who kept drinking and, you know, wasn't super nice all the time and just how it was really dysfunctional and codependent, much like you 
you had explained. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to navigate that when, you know, you're a good therapist isn't going to say you should do this. <laughs> you know, they're going to be like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. how does that, you know, what does that look like for you? You know, um, things like that mm-hmm. to get you thinking in your own mind, make up your own decisions. And so, um, it, it was just, it was sad being in a relationship where I, I felt, you know, unhappy because of the circumstances until I was ready to do something about it and, um, kind of speak up and, and talk about things with him. Um, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure I've mentioned it multiple times over, you know, the course of this podcast, but, um, I had to be willing to, uh, cut ties if, if, um, changes weren't going to be made, you know, I had made changes and I knew what I needed and, you know, that was that a little bit selfish, but also some self-preservation. Um, you know, I had issues with my mom issues with my dad, like lots of things to work out. Mm. You can't just like say, um, never talk to your parents again. Um, just cut them out. You don't need them anymore. (laughs) Like that's not how that works. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, it was, it was really challenging. And I would say that, you know, I feel like I kind of went through something similar, except I was like the opposite in that I I didn't want to engage in um, the deed because that person had been drinking and that was just like, ugh, mm-hmm. like, no, um, like I wanted nothing to do with that. And then it just made me spiteful and resentful. And so it's, it's a messy situation to be in. And honestly, it probably would have been a lot easier if I was single, um, if I was able to like heed the advice of others and not be in Mm -hmm. a relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's much more challenging being in a relationship, but that's not to say that you can't have a relationship. It's just, there are more challenges that go along with it. Yeah. And that's basically what it, you know, it talks about, you know, um, when our sobriety has a foundation firm enough to withstand stress (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter just about like, you know, uh, related it's relationship stress, life stress, new job stress, whatever, right? You know, uh, um, then we are ready to work through and straighten out our other aspects of our lives. And that means like, I think, you know, what you talked about in your therapy is like, you know, with the therapist saying, how does that look for you? That's one of the things that the steps does as well, right? Because it'll ask you to redefine your relationship. Like what person should you have been, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than being the asshole that was like, you know, <laughs> honey, let's go to the sex shop and see what, you know, wicked shit we can come up with, right? <laughs> like, how should, how should you have been, right? You know, um, yeah, how, you know, like, what's the uh, highest ideal of that that you would like to be and you need to strive towards that, right? So, you know, I wanted to be a loving husband. I wanted to be a supportive, you know, person in that relationship. I do. These are the things that I read, had to redefine, you know? I wanted to be more friends mm-hmm. with, with my wife, right? You know, a, a friend doesn't like, you know, ask another friend to do the things that I was asking to do. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, and somewhat begrudgingly getting an answer, right? But, but you know, that's the, kind of the whole point, right? Which is, it was very selfish of me. I was very selfish when it came down to that stuff. And at the end of the day, I really wanted it to be more equal. I wanted it to be more loving. I wanted it to be more caring, kind, and considerate, right? And and it just absolutely. Um, but I. I didn't communicate it first, right? All I did was I just said, hey, look, honey, like, uh, I mean, I, she didn't even know, right? I just started making that decision. I'm not going to approach her until, you know, she approaches me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she has no clue. She's just used to this other dude. And suddenly I'm a ball of silence trying to, like, you know, <laughs> be virtuous. And it's not fucking Because ha- now she thinks what? She thinks, wow, suddenly my husband is sober and he doesn't want to have sex anymore, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whole fucking different ball game right she doesn't yeah, so when she brought it up i was like two different you pages. need to communicate you can't you can't yeah you cannot like just assume that oh now i'm just trying to be virtuous and boy my 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 uh significant other is really going to respect this decision no she has no fucking clue <laughs> right so you know so i had to tell her like hey honey you know i'm like i i i i took it to heart like when i did this work and you know so, so when she said that i realized that she didn't we were not on the same page and I told her like, Hey, like I was, I'm really trying to be more respectful of, of you and your person. Right. And, and it was just, I don't, maybe it was too different for her. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, where the fuck did me, this guy where, come from? Where is my husband? Where is he? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Go back to the club, so, find um, him, bring him back. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I like this sober dude. Um, so you know, I mean, so it is understandable to a certain degree, like why I why it went the way that it went. But at the same rate, it's like you got to work these things out with your spouse or significant other. Uh, you can't just expect it to just kind of like you can't make the decision for the relationship. It's a relationship, quote unquote, for a reason. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, so that involves a certain amount of vulnerability that I didn't even have, right? Because I don't want to talk about that shit. You know, and that's what it talks about. It's like I wasn't. You know, I, I was too vulnerable, I guess, right? I was too sensitive mm-hmm. to that stuff and didn't talk about it. So I, I think that, you know, if you're going to continue on with relationship, I would, but the one thing I thought about when I was reading this, which is like, I was so willing to go to uh, couples therapy. It's not even funny. Like I was suggesting it early on. Um, and the response I got initially was um, <laughs> from my wife, which is, she's like, you're the one with the problem, not me. really i was like well we'll let let you simmer with that and see how that sits for the next year (laughs) so um but it so that's kind of how it came across but you know the fact is this is like yeah we all got our own issues so um so but i was more than willing to do it at that point because of what i was reading in the the steps and also what i heard too which is like most uh, marriages do not survive recovery and I think my wife also, you know, read similar stats, you know. Um, it's just that it, you know, relationships have gone too sour for too long. And once people kind of move into recovery, um, you know, they kind of grow out of those old relationships. And so I think that that was um, what was different for me and my wife is that we I think we really doubled down on our relationship. We really um, invested back into it. And that was a real um, that's, I think helped us a lot to mm-hmm. you know look at each other in that different way and i think you know, again she started you know her own journey as well and i think it really helped for both of us to be on our own 
paths, you know, in that in that way. So, um, what about I? I don't know. You don't want to divulge anything about your husband or anything, but how did you get through that with your husband? How did you get through that understanding? Like you needed it to change. How did that come about? Well, you know, I was thinking about it, um, just like what they were saying in the in the reading. How you know, all all get sober if so and so does this, right? Yeah, kind of like a upon, yeah. yeah. And you know, I had thoughts like that, and I was like, well, I got sober, so why, you know, why won't he do X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. And I really got stuck on this whole idea of like needing or wanting to control his behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the code of which I know was, of it. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, not healthy, but it is what it Me is. Me too, by and, the way. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, therapy helped a lot. Thank you, thank you, therapist. Um, but but I would say, you know, once I made that choice, you know, I'm gonna have a conversation with him, and regardless of how it goes, I have to be okay with the outcome. Um, and then. Fortunately, you know, he said, I want to make some changes. I want to do this and this and this. Let's work on it. And mm. like you said, we both really worked on just things as simple as how we speak to each other, you know, um, not calling names, not. <clears throat> so not I just like call my wife a jerk down. and an asshole today. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it's it. okay. You can say you're sorry or it's a joke, you know. But I mean, like in back then, that stuff was very like, you know, he's one of those people that's so giving and loving, but he can also cut you down in like a mm-hmm. second. He just mm-hmm. knows like your weak point. <laughs> and, mm. and we made the decision that we're no longer going to treat each other that way. We're going to, you know, uh, date again, essentially, like Same actually... Team. Same team. Same team, same goals. And if we have a problem, we sit down and talk about it. We don't storm out. We don't drive away. You know, we don't get so, angry. Uh, as a very intelligent person once said, um, you know, if there's a problem, you'll all solve it. Check out the hook <laughs> while my DJ revolves it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, to throw it All in. about the ice, ice baby. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> But I, I think that's interesting that we both went through that and ultimately, you know, we're still with our our spouses. I mean, I became a spouse, but you stayed with your spouse and yeah. um we both kind of did the same thing as we it took two of us, right? Like my husband and me both had to commit to getting through the uncomfortable shit and it mattered enough to us because we wanted to stay together that we were going to put up with the discomfort, the changes, because a lot of things were changing and it was a matter of whether or not they were going to be good changes for both of us. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I totally get that. One of the things that, um, that kind of, that they touched on at the very end too, which was like the first things first, aspect of this if we're talking about sobriety and we're talking about recovery Mm -hmm. you know i would hear in men's meetings like you know but you know job or no job you know wife or no wife house or no house you know you you don't fucking drink no matter what right and you just kind of like and um you know it's it's it it, it's so true right because i i so i i was a i think i was a year sober 
uh, maybe a year, a little after a year in my, my wife was chastising me a little bit and then she was making fun of me because I was trying to punish one of our, uh, my youngest and cause we were on vacation and she wasn't listening and, and I was telling her to sit down and she was refusing to. And my wife was like fucking laughing at me. Right. Like, ah, you know, mm. you can't even, she won't even fucking listen to you. And then, and she was still, you know, bitter man. Right. She was still pretty mm-hmm. bitter about all this. We were just having contentious shit. And I, I just left the, the fucking RV. Cause I'm like, it's this kind of shit. This is why my kids don't listen. Right. Because she's sitting over there in the corner fucking going, your kids don't listen. Eh. You know? And I was like, mm-hmm. bitch, you know, and I remember I go and I sat on this bench and I literally, and I could, I just, I, you know, I know I wanted to drink cause I just wanted it done. I was on vacation probably for like the second third time and uh mm-hmm. and i was sitting on this fucking bench and i was just sitting over there i was smoking at the time i was still smoking and uh no sorry i was vaping so i'm sitting there i'm vaping bah, you know i'm fucking pissed off and then i was like i'm gonna go back to that fucking rv and i'm gonna give her a piece of my fucking mind right and on the way back i was like i'm gonna give her a piece of my mind and no matter what fucking happens i don't care if she fucking leaves me or leaves right now right i am gonna stay sober because fuck that shit because i'm not gonna be a victim <laughs> to my fucking to that shit you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i went in there and i just told her straight out like you cannot fucking do this in front of the children that shit needs to be done now right you may be able to do that in front of me but not in front of them because it just encourages the behavior right and i go mm-hmm. and plus it's like you know you're sitting here hurting my feelings so it's done and i go and i was just like like you know fucking Slamming my fist in the fucking thing, you know, like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. And um, but you know what? Like I, I, I think more than anything, it was the resolve to be sober no matter what. Walking into that situation because I never had that before, right? Because I swear mm-hmm. to you, like I would, if she would have fucking bailed on me before that at some other point, I probably would have fucking drank again just because I, because it was reliant on those things. Because it was the thought of, you know, why am I doing this then? Like mm-hmm. if that, you know, if I'm doing this and this isn't going well, the, you know, again, I expected something out of sobriety that way and rather than just, you know, sobriety. <laughs> right? yeah. So, you know, uh, here's the thing. I really wasn't doing sobriety. I wasn't really doing recovery. What I was doing was not drinking. Right. I wasn't mm-hmm. working on the harder issues. I wasn't dealing with the things that were affecting me as a person. I didn't look at the greater causes and conditions. At that point, I was really just not drinking. So that's what I that's what I would have. That's what I should have expected was not drinking. But you know what I mean? Because I wasn't doing anything else. But that's the thing is, is once I doubled down and kind of took all that other shit off the table and it wasn't dependent on her, them, it, whatever. And then it became about me. Then I was like, OK. That's, you know, and at that point I was defending myself, right? So that's, so I was kind of reinvesting in myself and I started to look at myself differently after mm-hmm. a period of time, but only after what like a year and some change, right? Like, did I feel like I could walk in there and defend myself? You see where I'm coming from? It's like at mm-hmm. that point, I don't even have the emotional, you know, foundation to like support my own fucking needs. You know, let alone be involved with somebody else, you know. So at that point, I was trying to create boundaries and, you know, just the best that I could with what I had, even before any kind of therapist or anything else. But, I know, that's But impressive. it sucked, man. I held my own. Yeah, but but I did it all wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> I should have gone to a Carl. therapist. I really fucking should have. Yeah, I, but I tried. But I should have gone to therapy. I should have, I should have, I should have been more involved in my recovery and the steps and I should have been more um, diligent about, you know, 
getting inside this, you know, um, tiny skull sized kingdom kind of a thing. I should have like cracked open this skull a little bit more and started digging in. And I, I know it take time takes time. And, and, and that was only to come And the, by the way, that was only the gift of staying sober period. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Had I not stayed sober, had I relapsed, it would have just been back to the same old, you know, regurgitating that same old cycle. So anytime that you ever felt like thrown in and, 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 Given up because of uh, your significant other, quote unquote. Were you, okay, I like once I mean, walked home from a movie once, like you know, just like fucking said fuck it, like I, I don't want to be in the car with you anymore. I walked six miles, like fucking mm-hmm. like fuck you miles, right? Like you know, like a baby Those just took the all best my toys. Miles. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever did you ever throw a fit like that and and just like say fuck it, I'm leaving? Oh, you know, I really can't. I can't remember anything off the top of my head I think uh well I know I've done that I've done the whole like I'm leaving because you're doing this and I'm not I'm not okay with that type thing um I think I might have done that at a party you know like maybe he was drinking and being did you embarrass him or what Mm, I don't think so no I I the thing about me is when I'm angry or I'm sad I just get quiet you know, I don't, mm. I don't lash out like You're that. You're a dangerous get, one. <laughs> well, and so, you know, I'm just, I internalize a lot of things. And so people know mm. if I get quiet, they probably shouldn't fuck with me right now. So mm. I've never been one to, um, you know, cut people down in public or, you know, even, even privately, like I have to let it sit and build <laughs> before I get mm. to that point. Um, but I'm sure, you know, I don't think there was a time where I wanted to drink because I was just so determined to stay sober, much like you were at that moment that you explained. Um, and and it was so strange because I thought, oh, the getting sober, like the stopping drinking, yeah, that's no big deal. And life's going to be amazing and I'm going to look great and all my friends are going to want to hang out with me. And it was like, none of that, none of yeah, that at yeah. all. Like all my friends were Complete alcoholics, ghost town isolation. you know, <laughs> you know, and, um, I decided to, um, eat sugar because mm. I was no longer mm. drinking sugar. Oh, can um, I tell you, can I tell you, mm. I, I haven't had sugar in like two weeks. I mean, I, I, <gasps> I've been, I've been, my wife has gone like sugar lists, right? So we've tried to reduce, reduce, reduce. And so like, I mean, we are on a minimal, but this is what I do now. I go into the kitchen at like freaking nine o'clock at night. And I just stand there in the pantry and I open doors and close them. And I open doors and close them because there's no, I know I can't, you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, I like, I open the freezer. They're like, there's no ice cream in there because otherwise I'd be eating it. Right. So I just fucking open it, close it. I, and I'm like, what am I doing in here? Do you ever do that? I fuck, I'm out of my fucking mind. I'm a, I'm a fucking yeah. I'm an addict. I'm a complete yeah. fucking addict. I'm surprised God you damn. haven't like dipped into the canister of of granulated sugar <laughs> yet. No, there's a big bag there. There's it. a big bag there. There is. <laughs> fucking big old bag. Don't think that I don't know where it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> of, I course you. You do. of course you do. Of course you do. Of course. I mean, there's a ton of other shit around, but like, yeah, I got kids, man. There's sugar and everything. But there's sugar and mm. everything. There's fucking sugar and everything. Anyway, sorry. I didn't. I, I could just relate at that point. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, just generally, like I thought um, sobriety was going to be incredible. And it is, but it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you have to, you have to get through the wreckage of what you've made and, you know, pull yourself out of that, get through the hard, uncomfortable bullshit before you can have the, you know, what, what do they call them? The, um, promises, Mm -hmm. the promises Mm -hmm. of recovery, sobriety, um, where good things start happening Mm -hmm. just because you're staying sober. And I shouldn't say just because you're staying sober, because that's not, that's not what I mean. Something remarkable like staying sober. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean like you're you're investing in recovery because you yeah, cannot yeah. drink. But I guarantee yeah, you unless yeah, you do yeah. some work about like your life, nothing's going to improve at all. Very good point. Again, nothing changes if nothing changes. And so and mm-hmm. that's the idea in terms of recovery. You can you can put the plug in the jug, but if you don't address all the other things that, you know, that either one you, you know, had before you started drinking, two that you've acquired while you were drinking you know because you fuck some shit up like there's a there's a there's a long it talks about in the big book there's a long road of recovery ahead you know um Mm -hmm. and it is about the diligence and the dogged persistence in order to do that stuff but you need a plan you need like you know you need to sit down and work that shit you know to to you know have a foundation for that stuff and if you don't well you're just floating you know i mean you're just you're just misdirected yeah i totally get that you know one of the things that um comes up a lot uh People say, don't kill yourself within the first five years because you'll be killing the, the wrong person. Like, you know, in the first five mm-hmm. years of sobriety, don't kill yourself because you'd be killing the wrong person. And and and, um, and I held on to that. I talked about it before in the podcast. I held on to that shit because I'm like, you know, like <laughs> after five years, if I don't like the fucking person I am, I'm like, fuck, I'm killing that fucker, right? You know, because because that's, and I, you know, maybe they shouldn't say that stuff, but <laughs> so, um, but I, it is very real that it, it is a gradual process. And I was, I was talking to this woman the other night and I was talking about, uh, some recovery work. And then she was like, uh, you could tell she, and it was just like I did in the very beginning too. Um, cause my, my sponsor would say like, he would talk about, Oh, you know, by this, you know, I got, and I did this right by whatever. And I go, how long did that take? And then, and then you know, more conversation. I go, and how long did that take? Right. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, how long was it till you could <laughs> forgive to yourself? measure it? <laughs> yeah. Like, and how long, you know, how long did, and, and it just, it, there is no timeline for these things. I mean, if you get, you know, I mean, I know we talk about timelines and stuff, but that's just our personal experience for those things. And even in the five year comment, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, don't kill yourself in the first five years. It could take six years. That could take seven. You know, it, whatever it takes for you. I mean, it could take two for all we know, right? But the fact mm-hmm. is this, is that um, I think the idea here is like, you do not know who you are. You do not know what you will become. And you, do, you won't really know what life is about. And when it talks about relationships, it talks about love, quote unquote. I want to put the quote unquote love in there. I don't know what love is. I do not know when I get sober what love is period i have no concept of it you know and they sit there and say in meetings um you know we're gonna love you until you can love yourself right i'm thinking to myself i love myself every fucking morning 
right? You know, I stand in the fucking shower. What are you talking about? Are you going to take me in the bathroom and jack me off? Because that's me loving myself, right? That's what I think about love. I, I think love is a fucking act of sex. I don't think about love in terms of caring, compassionate, empathetic care. I have no concept, none, of what it really mm-hmm. means to love somebody. I just don't. So that's kind of the thing. It's like you only get that through, like, sober cognitive conscious experience of what it means to be engaged with somebody making rational decisions on an everyday basis like you know it's like when you you know it's like uh, we talk about service and you know um uh, 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 or being unselfish right and you know when it came to like food like i would i would just grab whatever the fuck i wanted i i made this fucking meal and i paid for it and i you know so fuck you i get the biggest piece of chicken and i get the fucking you know all the whatever's right (laughs) and when i got sober and i started to change my mind to a service mindset i was like you know what i'm going to i'm going to be the last person no matter what to step up to that plate because it's like i want everybody else to have their fill that's how i feel about it right Mm -hmm. um it's totally a mindset change you know in comparison and that's where it's you know you don't get that until later Right. Until you until right. you go through some experience of those things. So um and I guess that's the thing. No more timelines. You just don't get that until later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or until you get it. So um so I I think that's I think that we've exhausted the topic a little bit for our I think experience. we I think we might have untangled the entanglement. Oh, look at you. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um well I am. I no longer feel like I'm immature or premature liaisons. <laughs> They're crippling. Well, never mind. Uh, so, um, so I, well, I'm glad we got a little personal. I'm glad we like you know got a little bit more engaged than we normally do. Um, because you know it is really sensitive to talk about like you know sex with your wife, right? You know what I'm saying? On a podcast, so, yeah. On a podcast. With I mean, I'm like sitting here going, like, I gotta, I'm just sitting here. I'm really like, I'm throwing the dice on this one. Is this one of the episodes that she does not listen to? Right? Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, I was talking to my sponsor the other day and he was like, don't think that she doesn't listen to this shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm pretty sure don't she's put that not on listening. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's not listening anymore. You know what I mean? He's like, no, she may say it, but dude, but I guarantee you she's listening. But you know what? I think it's so important to be vulnerable like that because you know there's someone out there who's dealing with that exact same thing or is, um, you know, they've got and has those thoughts going on and is maybe embarrassed to talk about it, Mm -hmm. you know, with Mm -hmm. another dude, like a sponsor Mm -hmm. or even a therapist. Like, you know, I did not talk about it with a sponsor or you might, you know, I didn't. I, I absolutely didn't. I just, I, that was the thing is I was like, I did the redefining part, mm-hmm. but I didn't talk about the action that I was going to take after that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and how that could impact because I wasn't, again, I'm still a very selfish person. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though I'm doing it for somebody else, I'm, it's a very selfish decision. I didn't include the other person in that decision. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> right? So you're right. You know, it's like, you know, not, not, um, not doing those things is, is a problem for sure. So it should be easier now, I guess, right? Somebody hearing my weird ass talk about that. <laughs> hey, call your sponsor. That's all I say. Call your sponsor. How's that? All right. So I do want to um, promote um, uh, a V in the SOS meetings Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That stuff is available on the website, silverpod.com. 
Um, I, do, I wasn't able to attend yesterday even. I was doing water polo kids things and water polo today as well. Uh, but um, but I would, I, I'm would i telling you people, it is. it sounds like a, a really good deal. It's a good time. You know, on, on Saturdays, if you want to catch a, a Zoom meeting and not go, you can't make it physically. Um, it's a pretty cool little environment. I would recommend it highly. Um, do you have anything to, to share or offer? Uh, well, you could follow us um, in our fa- our private Facebook group, which is you can go to facebook.com slash group slash sober pod. We've got um, a nice small little community in there. You can get support. You can also see Bang and Bod Phil with Bang, his Bang, Bang and Bod. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Doing his, his exercise classes, I believe, Saturday mornings. He was in there yesterday. He if you actually it's under the feature tab too, if you go to the features. Um mm. uh so if uh I, I try to put them as a featured thing up above every time now. Um nice. yeah, so that uh yeah, so that you can see you can just go there and see that he's done that every Saturday. Um, and then you can follow us on Twitter at SoberPod. Um, what else? What else are we? Uh, I do have some some of last week's respondents, right? Okay. Uh, so we have uh, on Spotify. If you want to get involved, we we put up a poll last time uh, for the episode professional help. Uh, it is basically, I had a poll question that says, have you sought professional help in recovery? Uh, and 83% said yes. And 17% said no. And we had, uh, six votes. So that, that poll is closed now. Uh, but so, um, cause it goes like week to week. It goes from like whatever, when we launch to the next following week. And then I also had a, a Q and a in here. It says, uh, why don't you leave a voice message instead, right? Instead of getting people to do written questions. Uh, mm-hmm. And I left the, the URL uh, to uh, to go to, uh, uh, and you can go there off the website as well. Um, but it goes to the leave a message. And then we had uh, Chuck actually responded, did not do a voicemail, motherfucker. Chuck, <laughs> Chuck, Chuck G, I, I'm coming for you, motherfucker, because this is what Chuck G said. Chuck G said, um, he answered, why don't you leave a voicemail message instead? He answered, because I'm afraid you'll get mad at me like you did poor Todd. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Todd. <laughs> so, um, so Chuck, you motherfucker. Uh, hey, I, I tell you what, Chuck, why don't you call in and say something nice so that I can't misunderstand what you say. And, and then maybe I will um, force myself to misunderstand what you say so I can cuss you out. <laughs> Something along those lines. Anyway, uh, I'm just just fucking with Chuck. But either way, um, yeah, please call and leave a message. You know, I mean, if you guys want to respond, uh, you know, or just give a shout out, or just I don't know, happy birthdays, do whatever you want to do. Uh, I would love to just play the play those things on the air again. I don't care if you're just making fart noises. It would be cool to have you uh, leave a message. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, then when we are a part of the Fire Network, uh, Friends in Recovery, they're still going strong. They're still doing their podcast. Um, podcast? When did I just turn into my fucking mom? Podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so we're part of the Fire Network, and that means that we um, uh, we want to hear from you. If you are also involved in recovery, if you are you know a content creator doing a blog, doing a podcast, or you know whatever the case may be, we want to know about it so that we can help 
you know, promote and then vice versa so that we can, uh, you know, be like, a, you know, a channel for you to help, uh, you know, grow your audience as well. That's it. Um, other than that, uh, are we are we finished here, Chelsea? Is this it? Well, are we done? do we ha- are we doing a poll or a question this week? Hey, I just I made up a poll because I thought Ooh. it was kind of cool. But whatever you want to do, what do you want to do? Oh no, let's let's do a poll. If you've already sounds good, you've already put it together. I'm gonna have no, to go uh, check no. It's it out. easy. You just you just you just do a poll. No, I was gonna say what what do you want to do? What kind of question do you want to do? You want to do a poll or a oh, bo- question or both? I I don't know. I I was trying to think of what the question should be. Like, uh, how have you handled your entanglement? In recovery, <laughs> <laughs> did you get entangled in recovery? Right? Uh, yeah. Have, you, have mm-hmm. you been Have you been entangled in early recovery? Uh, did you get into a uh, Did you get into a treatment romance? Did you get into a What did you call did it? Did you again? fall victim to an entanglement? <laughs> call now. <laughs> you may be entitled for compensation. <laughs> that how, does that work? How's that work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you breathe asbestos during this entanglement? <laughs> Stop having sex in the attic. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, um, no, what, what about um, uh, a poll for entanglements? Uh, like, have you been in an emotional entanglement? Uh, did you get into a relationship in early recovery? And then we could have the, I don't know, maybe that could be the question as well. Yeah. Ah, I like well, that. we'll figure some shit out. We don't need to work it out necessarily with these people. Let's just but there do will a be quiz. questions. <laughs> like a five question quiz. <laughs> just kidding. They only let you do one question, really? Mm, bummer. I think it's only one question, yeah. So, um, okay. So that's it. That's all we got. Uh what does uh um uh <laughs> Chelsea, it puts the lotion on its skin, otherwise it gets the hose. What does Chelsea say? <laughs> Well, I would like to say Happy Halloween. Oh, that's right. It's Halloween at launch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. What does Boo. Carl say? Deuces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I say stay safe, stay sober, and um, and, um, and, and, and don't drink. How's that? That's all, that's all I want to say. I like it. Okay. All right. Laters. Party people. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>